1: No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. No worries. Okay, so welcome to a very special Brighton Rock podcast episode. Um, I, Russell Guyver, am joined by my regular co-host, Peter Marsh. Hello, Peter. Hey, Russ. Uh, we also have, yeah, I'm good, thanks. Uh, we also have regular contributors Robin wooly and Andy Bravery with us. Hi, guys. Hi there. Hi, Russ. And um, we have a fifth person uh, with us as well, and he is our very special guest. He is, without doubt, one of the absolute legends of the club, and I think it's fair to say, a lot of people would say, he is the best player we've had. Um, it is Mr Mark Lawrenson. How are you, Mark?
3: I'm all good, thank you very much indeed. Although I'm I'm awaiting a COVID test, I don't think I've got it. It's just as a precaution, but... Um fingers crossed anyway i'm not having it done until we've spoken so you're going to be all right you can't catch anything <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's no new strain <laughs> that
4: you can catch over zoom or anything
1: <laughs> oh you, <laughs> never, you never know
3: it could be couldn't it
1: <laughs> yeah it's, it's mutating maybe not that well but <laughs> <No>. anyway <laughs> Well, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on board with us today. And um, we wanted, really, in this episode to look back on your playing career, how it all started, um, how you got on with the Albion, um, maybe if we have time, a little bit about um, what happened after the Albion with Liverpool and so on. Um, so, wanted to just go back to the beginning. Um, little Mark Lawrenson, uh, aged, whatever, you know, a handful of yeah. years old in Lancashire. Tell us about that. How was it? Great. Well,
3: I was obviously born and brought up in Preston and my dad played for Preston North End. In fact, I have um, somewhere, um, I'm in one of my apartments now, but in in the house I've got um, a picture of my dad making his debut at White Hart Lane and he's sandwiched in between Sir Tom Finney and Sir Ralph Ramsey, which as you can imagine is like absolutely fabulous. Um, and all I ever wanted to do was play play football. My mum basically, I got my... Um, what they call it, 11 plus, I had to think for a minute what it was then. I passed my 11 plus and she said, right, she said, um, I want you to go to boarding school. I said, no, I'm not going to boarding school. And the thing was, she wanted me to go to Scotland. And I said, why have you upset you or something? Um, <laughs> and she, it was it was a school that um, two previous boys from my primary school had gone and, and my mum knew their parents and they're saying it was five, it was this, it was that. And I said, I'll tell you what, I'll go if they play football, knowing they didn't. Um, the only play was in cricket. And then uh, came back, so there was no football. I said, okay, let, let me go to the local school, which I did. So from about I'd be about 14, 15, I used to go training at Preston North End Tuesday, Thursday night. Uh, signed schoolboy forms, could have signed for Blackpool. I mean, they're the antichrist as far as Preston are concerned. Or West Ham, would you believe? West Ham had a scout up in the yes. Northwest. I was always going to Preston. And basically, I took my O-levels and then my mum said to me, look, I want you to take your A-levels. I said, well, I'm 16 and, you know, I should really go to to Preston. They want me to go. And she went, well, let's see how we go and let's do a year and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, cut a long story short. Bobby Charlton was the manager of Preston North End and he had to ring up the school, the grammar school. And, And it was it was a Jesuit grammar school. Obviously, we had kind of civilian teachers as we call them but he had to he had to ring um I don't know if he'd be called the abbot or whatever whatever he was so Bobby Charlton literally asked the abbot permission for me to go and sign for Preston North End full-time which I did and um got in the team after a while but only basically because of Nobby Stiles who was the um reserve team coach so we had a bunch of kids played in the reserve team in a, in a league called the Central League, which was fab uh, because if you played on a Tuesday night against Liverpool, you played against all the players who didn't play at the weekend for Liverpool, and there'd be like seven or eight internationals and Manchester United and all those. Anyway, so so in essence, it brought us on really, really quickly. Um, Bobby left; he just didn't like management, and then we got Harry Catterick, who managed Everton, took them to the Championship, etc. And his first game um i was playing in the reserves actually when this first came and i got injured i did my knee after about 20 minutes nothing serious but he uh, he came down to see me straight away he said what's your name son and i told him he said well as soon as you get back to fitness you will be a regular in the first team which was great uh it happened and then basically i came to brighton um and which obviously you you lads know loads of but the the little backstory before it was that with no agents or anything, Liverpool um, offered to buy me for seventy grand. I think it was in the March of seventy-seven. Um, Preston wanted a hundred plus VAT, which was twelve percent, I think. And Preston said, "No, it's a hundred or nothing." And, and and Liverpool pulled out, which was obviously quite ironic. Yeah. And then the next Being thing by
1: Liverpool. Out, out, yeah, yeah. by Brighton. <laughs> yeah, yeah. bid by wow.
3: Brighton. And then the next thing is. I'm, I'm on the holidays with the, with the lads, with, with the players, and I got a phone call from the Preston chairman, who I knew anyway, because my mum had remarried and, uh, and my stepfather was on the board, it's really incestuous this, my stepfather was on the board, so I knew the chairman, like I knew him as Alan, not even as the chairman, which was funny, and he said, we've had an offer from Brighton, we're prepared to accept it, you don't need to go. He said, and I've I've kept your stepfather out of it because he just said, look, look, let him make his own mind up, and he can decide for himself. He's old enough, big enough, and ugly enough. And so um, I've said, okay. And I was, we were in Benny Dome with the boys, and of course, imagine we'd been there three or four days, and I don't, we'd only been sober for about eight minutes. And uh, <laughs> the next thing is, I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll think about it. He said, well, Chairman said to him, look, we we really need to know, and I said, well, I'll speak to them. And he said, okay, all right. So, um, Mike Bamber, Goodly Sizens, came over the next day. However, their plane was delayed because of thunderstorms at Gatwick. And I got up in the morning and I said to the lads, I said, um, the Preston players said, look, I'm talking to Brighton um, in a couple of hours. And they said, all right, well, you won't be on the last today. Then, William said, no, 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 I no, can't do it. I can't do it, really. It's serious. Anyway, with the delayed plane, by the time they got to me, I couldn't stand up because I thought <laughs> they're not coming. I was on it. I was and I was. I was on the Guinness, and um, <laughs> eventually they turned up. And I think they obviously must have thought, "Oh my God, Muller's wants to sign this fella, and he's pissed." Excuse my French. So um, I can remember. I was talking to to um, Miami Mikey, as he became known by all the players, Mike Bamber and Dudley, and they said, "Oh, um, Alan Muller wants to speak to, and he's somewhere else in Spain." And I went, "Okay." Anyway, so put me on this phone and we're in a hotel chatting and everything. I honestly couldn't hear a word that Muller's was saying. And I was just kind of, just by the intonation of his voice, I was going yes or no or no or yes. And he must have thought, what the hell? Anyway, we all got through it. And I basically signed a blank contract with um, with Dudley and, and Mike Bamber. But, but my stepfather had actually spoken to Mike Bamber about different stuff, you know, about my money and all that kind of stuff. And... So we celebrated, so, we, so I signed it and we mm. celebrated. I'll never forget, they weren't drinking. I, don't, I think Dudley did normally drink, but I don't think Mike Bamba was, I think he was teetotal. So we went and said, right, come let's go and celebrate. I thought, well, oh, this will be good. So we went to this cafe in Benidorm on the seafront. Um, and I basically managed to knock a whole host of champagne glasses over on my way in, which I'm thinking, oh my God, they must think I'm a right prat. Anyway, obviously, it it kind of worked out well. But they said, right, medical soon as you come back. So I went for the medical. And I think loads of people know the story, but uh, Dr. Sless was the club doctor at Brighton at the time and did the medical joints, all that kind of stuff, everything, and checked everything, took some blood. And he came back to me and I thought, oh, this doesn't look good. He said, "Uh, we think you're diabetic. I said, well, I don't. Because you know, I've never even. No one's ever, ever said that I'm diabetic, and I don't feel like I'm diabetic. I don't have any um, symptoms, as it were. He said, "Well, that's really, really interesting." He said, "I said, I'll tell you what we'll do." He said, we'll, "We'll stay. We want you to stay overnight, and we're going to do some more tests tomorrow." So I said, "Okay." So it really was in doubt at the time the deal, because I think I'm a diabetic. I wasn't. I wasn't signing. or Brighton weren't going to sign me. So the next day early, I had. I had a a blood test every half an hour for two hours. So Dr. Sless came in and he said, Mark, he said this is really, really, really strange. He said, you're testing that you're diabetic, but you're so obviously not. You know, he's saying, how many games did you play for Preston? I said, I think I played every single one. And he went, and do you have any special dietary stuff? I said, no, 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 nothing. I said, just just normal. He said, you've just been away, haven't you? I said, yeah, yeah, I've been to Benidorm with the, with the Preston players and he said we having a drink and I'm suddenly thinking have I got to tell him the truth here or what I think well it's in the balance anyway and I said oh yeah we were drinking every day starting early and I said we the last doc, and he said alright what do you drink and I said well I said because I'm so slight the club said to me if you're going to have a drink drink Guinness and you know thicken yourself out and strengthen yourself and all that kind of stuff and he went well well that wouldn't do it I said yeah but the thing was doc is that I don't really like Guinness, but I put black currant in it and he's just gone, oh my God. He said, You must have so much black in your system that every time we take a blood test, it looks like a diabetic. <laughs> yeah. A
0: pretty good I wonder
1: where that was going. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's incredible. Oh bloody. And you well, you've inadvertently answered the first question actually, which was from Dan Healy, friend of ours. Um who had said what was the conversation like with Muller's to convince him to come here? We, we, you've already answered that one, <laughs> not a very yeah, yeah. clear one. Um, but um, no, I mean that that's incredible, and, and it, it was very much um, a factor at the time, wasn't it? I guess uh, the drinking um, culture, particularly if you, when you're off season, I guess. Yeah, oh, I like don't, that.
3: I don't, I think I think every everybody. I don't think Muller's had a problem with it, um,
1: hmm. and I'd seen him on
3: pre-season tours with us anyway, or end of season tours. So Muller's always liked to drink, but. Um, no, it was it was it was really really funny because as soon as I got to Brighton, it, it felt like um, it felt really comfortable, you know. And um, and Muller's talk tells a story. I, I mean, he, he does embellish some stories sometimes. God love him. But he said he said he took the whole team to watch me play for Preston at uh, Crystal Palace, and I went really. And he went no no honestly we did. He said ask Brian Horton and and, ask, and apparently they did. Um, and he took, obviously, uh, the chairman. And who was the vice chairman who sadly died? I don't know if you remember. Ke- oh, Keith um, Wickenden?
2: Lynn. Oh, Wickenden, yeah.
3: Yeah. Air, yeah. Air crash. Yeah, yeah. yeah in, a, in, a, in an air crash. Fr- but, but apparently Muller said that he was sat with, the ch- with, with with Miami Mike and Keith Wickenden. And Keith Wickenden said, you know, how much do they want, Preston? And, and Muller said, well, I think it's 100 plus, plus the VAT. And Keith Wickenden just said, pay it now. So they, they, I think uh, Mullers went to see uh, Nobby, Nobby Styles straight after the game and said, look, we'd, we'd like to buy him. And Nobby said, well, you know, speak to the chairman. And
1: and that's how it, that's how it happened. Brilliant. We'll, we'll get into the Brighton stuff in, in a moment, but just one other question from me on the early days. Um, you were Preston Lab, weren't you? That was the mm. local big team, at least. Still am, um, enough. Yeah. Oh, yeah, good, good. Excellent. Um, and I mean, obviously that's the club of your heart. Liverpool's gone on to be as yeah. well in later times for obvious reasons to do with all the successes. But, but when, when you were growing up and then hoping to play football, obviously I can imagine your dad's aspirations were to do that. And I heard on previous podcasts, you'd said your mum was Irish Catholic. She was very much wanted you to be a priest yes. um, in complete contrast of her uh, yes. career. Um, but making that debut, how did you feel making your debut for Preston? It must have been amazing.
3: fab. It was fab. So... Um, and all my schoolmates were there, and I'll never forget, I think it was 1974, we played Watford towards the end of the season, Bobby Charlton was manager, and I played right back, and uh, there was a guy called Bobby Downs who was playing for Watford, left winger, not a bad player, actually, and, of course, they're saying to me, you know, you have to mark him tight and all that kind of stuff, one thing and another, and I just remember early on, the ball came to me, and, and Bobby Downs ran at me thinking... This skinny kid, obviously, I'm going to frighten him to death, you know, because this is his first touch of a ball in his, in his debut. And as he came, I inadvertently knocked it through his legs, right? And obviously, <laughs> Nutmeg did, which was happy days. I didn't mean it. I seriously didn't mean it. But it was a, in a, it was a section of the ground by the paddock where all my, my mates were. And they all standing up and started cheering. And everything, I thought, hey, it's not bad, this, is it? So, uh, yeah, it was the first ever touch in football. But it's, it was, it's all I ever wanted to do really serious was was just to, just to follow my father basically yeah
1: that's fantastic well at this point obviously guys if you want to interject with any questions uh, on the next subjects then please do because we'll come on to your time at Brighton then so you joined us in I think it was 77 wasn't it um, yeah so you had you had two seasons with us in the second division, as it was yeah. then known, now the championship, uh, and then two seasons in the top flight. So you joined us after we'd had a promotion from the previous division down. Yeah. And this was the first of two years on our way to getting in promotion. Um, so can you talk us through that first season? How was that? Making your debut for Brighton, the, the highs and lows of that season? Because obviously, ultimately, it's frustrating to miss out at the end. But how was
3: yeah. it as a whole? Well, it was great for me because... Um, Obviously, it was a bit of pressure at first because they were everyone was going Mark who and um, Graham Cross went to Preston, didn't he? And ha- uh. Graham Cross and Harry Wilson went to Preston, and then Gary Williams joined me probably six weeks later. But uh, but Graham Cross had just got Player of the Year, so I was under a little bit of pressure. But by then I was playing as a centre back, and Mullers Mullers was fab. He just he just kind of said, "Look," he said, "just." we've watched you all season, we, we, we know what you can do and we just want you to do exactly the same with us. And he said he'd be playing with better players, which obviously was right because it was a division higher. Um, and I was, I was fortunate because I think the first game, we, we played a pre-season game against Wolves. In fact, Andy Gray played it from, for Wolves. And it just happened for me from the first day. I played in this game. And then everyone went, oh, my God, I didn't realise you were that good. And, I, 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 you know, I thought, yeah, yeah, very funny. But said, and and, and Muller's just went, he said, you play like that every week, you know, happy days. So the great thing, I think, was, and Brian Houghton would be a major kind of reason for this, was nearly all the players were transferred in. There was very few locals. I think Pipes, Stevie Piper, God rest his soul, uh, Tony Towner were the only local-ish and you know Brian straight away because because loads had been transferred in. He knew what everyone was going through. Um, he was brilliant, and I was in Diggs in uh, Preston Park with um, oh Dinky Dinky Do uh, Dinky <laughs> Do. He had a dog called Scooby. Would you believe Dinky and Kay? <laughs> and I was I was in digs there, and they were brilliant. They were and I used to go up to the pub with Dinky every night, but and I wasn't drinking. I was just playing darts with him and stuff. So it you know it re- it really did feel like home and. Um, we just started winning games. You know what it's like. If you're winning, it's it's easy, isn't it? And you don't think about being homesick and all that kind of
1: stuff. So, uh, no, it was, it was great. Yeah. OK, Andy, you've got a question. Do you want to... Far out, yeah, far
2: so, away. Hi, Mark. It's great Hiya. to talk to you. Um, and I'm in um, Peter's dad's um, uh, gang, basically. You are... You UR, was... And you are still the best player I've ever seen play for Brighton. OK, I thank you. I watching... I actually... My first ever game was... Probably before you got in the in the team because it was actually at home to Preston North End and Bobby Charlton was player manager. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I really kind of started going in 76, 77. So I was nine, ten years old, like right into it. Um, and uh, funny enough, we had Alan Mullery at a meeting um, before we had to do everything virtual. And I asked him at what point did um did he th- did he think in training that he saw the, the kind of player that you'd become. And he didn't quite answer the question because what he said was, well, with Mark in training, you, Lawrence in training, you could never really tell. So I think he yeah. was entirely well, the greatest trainer. But I, right. ask, <laughs> but I wanted to ask you um, two things, really. When, when did you get to the point where actually you thought, actually, I could be one of the best around playing this game? And if you'd known that earlier, maybe if you'd gone to Liverpool earlier, do you think you would have played for the Republic of Ireland or would you have held out and played for England?
3: Very good question. Um, I'll, I'll answer it in a different way because I, I know that Liverpool made the minds at watching me playing for the Republic that, that they wanted to to sign me. So maybe that helps a little bit. Look, you know, um, former England managers had all said I would have played if I if I'd declared for England, but it was easy for them to say that because they didn't have to pick me, did they? So it, it was kind of something that was very easy. But I think, you know, I think... The experience of playing international football when I was still at Preston was was, was a big thing. I remember, um, I remember playing for Preston on the Saturday. I think we played somebody like Millwall. I flew to Ireland on the Sunday morning. <clears throat> excuse me. and made my debut in the afternoon uh, against Poland, who were a really good side in, in those days. Came back on Monday to Preston and played in a league match on Tuesday. <laughs> that, that's that's how different it is. But no, I think I think I think it was a a big big thing and. Um, I think you know if you've, if, if you've got talent, don't you? But obviously you, you need an awful lot of luck and stuff. And I don't know, I think I just kept improving all the time. And I think, I think they thought eventually I would kind of hit a bar and come down a little bit. But it just I just kept improving. But, you know, we, we played in a really good side. We had some outstanding players when you think about it. And we had, obviously Muller's was Muller's, but, but, but Nobby was like the manager on the pitch which was, which was massive or the bald eagle as he was commonly known as. And for the first few months, all he ever did was shout at me. And I said, why do you keep shouting at me? He said, because you keep running past me. And he said, I'm not placed. I can't get the ball because you keep running past me with it. And I said, well, you're old, you can just stay there, can't you? And I can go running with it. And well, I mean, we are great mates still we're in touch with each other all the time. So, but it's just, I think, I think it's like anything it's, It was just a good place to learn and a good place to be. And it was friendly. We had this thing where um, Brian would say to us, right, every every away game, we had to go in the pub when we got back to to Brighton. You didn't have to drink. You could just have like an orange juice. But you had this thing. We all went to the pub, win, lose, or draw. And if you wanted to go after two minutes, you could go. But you literally had to walk. Uh, Hope Place, would you remember that? Mm, Yeah. It was called Hope Mm, Place. And And that was, you know, I can't speak highly enough about Prime because he was he was basically um, Muller's assistant, but he was still a player. I mean, I know Cragsey was there as well, and Cragsey was good. But but Brian was Brian was probably one of the best players they'd ever played with in terms of all round. Um, just a pity he didn't have a bit more pace, although he would have had a long career in, in the old First Division. But but everything about him was was fabulous, and he, Muller's new. Muller's knew with Nobby that he had like not just a good player, he just had a proper proper guy looking after everybody.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Peter, you're next up.
4: Huh? Yeah, so just um, going back a little bit to, uh, to Alan Mullery. I mean, what, I know you said you heard, obviously he was quite good when you first joined. What was your kind of relationship throughout your time at Albion? Was it always pretty good? But or as or...
3: Yeah, yeah, it was great. So um, I mean, um, Miami Mike used to call me his baby, which was a bit embarrassing. Um and, and Mullers was me and Mullers, we never I think we fell out once. We we did, we got beat somewhere. And we were we had no training ground, as you know, and we were on Hove Park amongst the dog shit. And it was a Monday morning and we've beaten and Mullers had a right monk on. He was it was really, you know, everything was wrong and stuff, and and me and Fozzie were playing together uh stevie foster and he said you two on saturday blah 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 blah," all that kind of stuff we went through this thing doing this defensive thing and the ball came to me and i kicked it over the trees (laughs) onto the main road and he went what the fnl and all that and i just went well as i said this is bollocks i said i know we didn't play all on saturday but like we're fourth in the league and we're going well this is bollocks and um Everybody just started laughing, and, and 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 that was the end of it. But it was it was fab because I think when we got promotion to Div One, um, a few of the boys started going in about the contracts and asking for loads more money and all that kind of stuff, which you're always going to get. And I just, you know, I was on decent money. I just kept stum, and uh, we went pre season to to Scotland. And he just came to me and I thought, oh, God, I'm in trouble. And he went, uh, I'm giving you a rise. He said, he's not even asked for one. He said, but all those bastards, he said, they're getting on my nerves. So he gave me a rise. So I, I didn't tell
1: anyone for three months because I thought they might beat me up or something. <laughs> and who do you think overall you were closest to in the squad through your time there? And, and did that change?
3: Well, well actually, nobby, no, Gary, obviously, Gary Williams, of
1: course, was because of the press, and
3: we lived out at Shoreham, but but hmm. probably probably Brian because we used to do loads of stuff together but um w- willow obviously because you know we we played together at, at Preston for for a while and stuff and um we probably lived only 300 yards away so pr- probably willow but but Brian
1: would have been the one more than anybody yeah you've also said um you mentioned um that the um, the pub that you went to after games um yeah. what, what was the general dressing room culture like in those days and in terms of on should we say non-match days when you're arriving back from away games but just just a weekend off or midweek or whatever or yeah friday night did you did you go out anywhere and what where, where were the places that were hip to go to back back in that time in brighton some people might not even know these names now i don't know it might have all changed. Um,
3: well i think it was, was it was at the king's club Oh, yeah,
1: I heard of that, yeah,
3: yeah. Kings also. But you know what we did, generally, we all we went out with the girls, you know, mm. which, which which football managers love, because if you go out with the girls, you know, you don't <laughs> get in trouble. If you go out without the girls, you get in loads of trouble, as we know. Um, but we always, it was just very, very social. And that was, you know, that was an hobby again. That would just be, right, come on, boys, Saturday, roll out. Roll out. Say, don't give me all this babysitter shit stuff, and I'll just get yourselves a babysitter because it's about time we took the girls out and all that kind of stuff. Um, where else would we go? We used to go to the Italian. We used to go on Friday, lunchtime before a game. Nobody had a drink. Um, and it was run by Clemente. I, I can never remember the name, it was, but it was brilliant. Small place, and we just go at lunchtime and have a good laugh, um, you know, before the Saturday. Um, that was probably it, really. But it wasn't, you know, you, you played, you got a day off the next day. Uh, which is completely different now because I think players are in nearly every single day. But um, we didn't abuse it. We didn't, you know, we didn't go out after Wednesday before a Saturday. Uh, although I remember one one Friday night and we were obviously going for a promotion and I had a car from, um, I had a TR7 from, I can't remember the name of the garage. Um and it was fab, a little two-seater thing. And it sounds sounds awful. It had like a, a beige hood, a soft top, and a, a maroon kind of bottom with a big stripe across it. But it did it, it 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 stuck out. And of course, you know, it was just like a sponsored car. And when I'd been in the digs, where uh, Kay, the lady who the, the lady of the house in the digs, she worked for Citizens Advice Bureau. And she'd asked me to present this lady who was leaving on a Friday night before a match at home with some flowers at this do. And I said, "Okay, I can't, I can't really go because I can't drink. And she said, oh, come on, just do me a favor. And there was such a nice family. I went, look, I'll get there at half eight. Come on, give the woman the flowers and, and do one. And she went, that's all we want. So I did it. And the next thing is I'm driving down the seafront and obviously I'm, I'm going to Shoreham and I was speeding, not massively, and I was speeding, I got pulled in by the cops, pulled me over on the seafront, the, the cop came to the window and he went, he just said to me, what the effing hell are you doing out on Friday night? <laughs> and, I, and I told him the story and he went, right. He said, I'm not booking you. And I said, well, that's good. He said, but if you lose tomorrow, I
1: know where you live, said the policeman. <laughs> so, hey, little bit of fame, helps. <laughs> excellent but it does sound like there was a good camaraderie and and a certain degree of sensible sensibility with how you prepared yourselves and kept kept yourselves and i think all in all not not always the case but usually i think it has to be all of those components have to be right for success don't they you have to be yes. fairly sensible what you do fairly professional but also you having that sense of a good camaraderie helps um
3: yeah and- you know, as I said to you before, I think the big thing was nearly probably eighty percent of the players w- w- were brought in from somewhere. You know, John Ruggiero from Stoke, Me, me and Willow from Preston, uh, well Liverpool in his, in terms of where he was from. Um, Tot, remember Tot, centre half, grown with Stanley, Jordy, yeah. uh, Malcolm, Poskett. Posket, yeah. Posk was, uh, I think he was Middlesbrough somewhere. Sort of around anyway the, what the point I was trying to get was that so everybody had been through this thing where they've you know had to sell a house or a flat, move to Brighton, bring the wife, the kids, the whole chains of schools and all that kind of thing and that that's basically which which was again goes back to Brian which was he, he was the center of all that kind of stuff and he just made everybody feel at home and I think you know the likes of ourselves once we've been down there six months if somebody else joined, you kind of just say, come on, let's, let's go to the Italian. I'll take you to meet such and such a body of, you know, and we thought where you're going to live and all those kind of things. But the biggest single thing was we had a really good team and we thought we could get promotion. And I think, hmm. you know, when you do that, you don't, you don't rub up people the wrong way, do you? You know, and you don't. And, and Brighton was, I don't know if it's still the same, but Brighton and Hove, I mean, if you went out, everybody knew. Um, because you know, if you're getting gates of about like 30 thousand that's an awful lot of people who'd be around seeing you and and everybody knew. So so we were really good. We 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 were very, very good, but you know, on our days out, we had proper days out.
1: Hmm. Um it, it's interesting actually, but there's a there's a very strangely close parallel between what happened in your day with the Albion, those two seasons, getting promoted and then going into the top flight for what proved for us to be four years. Uh, my first four years supporting, by the way. So I, I'm, I'm a glory hunter. Um, <laughs> but but um, it's very similar to what's happened now. We we had a season where we were cruelly missing out on promotion. We went again. We stuck to it. Uh, got the promotion the second season and gone on to have what so far is four years in the top flight again, yep. uh, as it currently stands. Um, to what degree do you reckon the mentality uh determination plays a part because it seemed to me that the Albion were either going to flop in that second season uh when we tried to get in the Premier League or they were going to they were gonna just go on from there and thankfully they did go on from there. It seems pretty similar to what happened when you were playing for the club as well. Would you would you go along with that? Or what, what were the key features that that led to that mentality being so strong, so strong enough?
3: <laughs> Dressing room. Yeah. You know, if you've, if you've got a real, real strong dressing room and you've got a dressing room which sorts itself out so that the manager and coach, A, they don't have to do it and B, they probably don't even know some of the stuff that happened in there that we sorted between ourselves. You've obviously got to have ability, you've got to have desire and all those kind of things and, and the players. But the dressing room's a massive thing, you know, and it's, it's even more prevalent now because it's just not the same rightly or wrongly, um, you know, and, and, and these guys were on fabulous money and I just say it's, it's called F off money because they can just say FF <laughs> to everybody, you know. Yeah. So to get a dressing room, if you look at, let, let's go back to like Tony Adams' time at Arsenal. You can imagine what he was like in the dressing room with, and there was loads of them like him anyway, but um, John Terry and the, the, the Roy Keane, those guys, they're not around anymore but it but in our day there wouldn't just be one, there'd be a few. And the old ones had sought out the young ones. Um, and you know, it was you kind of you wanted to better yourself. So, you know, don't want to play in the second division, you wanted to play in the first division. And yeah. if you played in the first division, it was kudos, it was, it was money, you know, and it was change of lifestyle. And it was like everybody who has a job who wants to improve themselves and earn more money and have a better job and have a better life, basically. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Um, Andy? Mark, when we, um, we spoke to um, Nobby Horton recently and he was talking about when he left the club and that, that basically it wasn't a move that he really wanted
3: he was quite philosophical <laughs> that's an understatement yeah.
2: Andy. <laughs> he was quite philosophical and it, and it did as as they pointed out to me, it did um, lead to him having that relationship working relationship with David Pleat which I think yeah. he found very productive so I just wondered from your perspective when you left how did you feel because I'd imagine it, it probably was a bit mixed I mean you know Liverpool coming for you probably the best team in
3: Europe at the time I just wondered how you felt about it really well, they were because they just won the European Cup in Madrid, uh, in uh, in Paris against Madrid. Um, but you know, I could have gone to Liverpool, Arsenal, and uh, Man United on the same day. I mean, they were all they were all in for me. And um, Terry Neal offered me less money than I was on at Brighton because I was, I was on a ten-year contract. Me and uh, I think Wardy had one before he left. Before he left, and basically the club were just making sure that if if we were sold because we were probably assets the way they look at it. And um, they would get loads of money back. But I kind of, I fell out with Mike Bamber a little bit because, um, and Muller's had fallen out with him anyway, hadn't he? Because Muller's left or he was leaving and stuff. And, and Muller's came to see me and just said, Mark, it's, it's probably time for you to go because, you know, there's, there's things happening at the club that, that weren't particularly, what well, you know, he didn't think were particularly good. Um, so Terry Neal offered me less money. Uh, we had a meeting in Gatwick. Um, and he said to me, he said, I want you to come to Highbury. He said, I, he said, you know about the bust of Herbert Chapman? I said, yeah, Terry, I know about that. He said, and you know we've got uh, underfloor heating in the dressing room? I said, yeah, Terry, I've been there. I've played against you. And he said, and, and I want you to play with David O'Leary as a partnership. I said, well, I don't mind the first two, but I'm not too sure about the third, but I was joking because I was already playing with him for, for Ireland and stuff. But um, he, he went away that night, and I kind of thought, why did you even bother coming to talk to me? I mean, why would you Why would you offer me less money than I was on at Brighton, you know? And then Ron Atkinson was calling. He'd just got the Man United job. And they were signing Frank Stapleton, one of the first for the tribunal. And he said, look, Mark, he said, this deal's a bit complicated because Brighton want three of our players and they want us to give Brighton some money. And, you know, you come and join us. And I said, OK. And then my last call, and this all happened within 12 hours. My last call was... Uh, was a journalist, Colin Wood, who wrote for the Daily Mail, but on Merseyside. And he said, oh, Liverpool are ringing you to talk to. You. And, I, and I went, are they? And I said, and by the way, who are you? I didn't know him from Adam. He said, oh, someone's just asked me to, to ring you and say, look, don't sign for Manchester United or, or uh, Arsenal. Just wait until he spoke to Liverpool. And I spoke to them the next morning. You know what? Within about 10 minutes... I was, I was gone. They had me straight away, basically, because they just won the European Cup. And I just said to everybody, I want to go and I want to win stuff as much as I loved it on the yeah. South Coast. And, I, you know, I had this meeting with Bob Paisley, um, Peter Robinson, the old chief executive, and the chairman, John Smith, in a hotel by the side of Heathrow by the runway. And I just went after 10 minutes, I went, yep. Yeah. All done, you know. Money agrees, and but but the sequel to it was.
0: I'm glad, Mark, I'm glad you
2: I'm glad you added there money agreed because I'm beginning to wonder whether you thought
3: forgot about what Arsenal had done and just thought, I'm going to live up anyway because <laughs> I will win no, the no, game. No, 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 no. I know. Well, in fairness to them, when when uh when when Bob kind of said to me about you know where he wanted me to play and all that kind of stuff, and then Peter Robinson, the chief exec, said. Said to Bob, Well, what kind of wages, Bob? Do you think? And he said, Oh no, he said, uh, it should he should be on the top wages like Kenny and Graham. And I'm going, Kenny and Graham, oh yeah. Dal and soonest happy days. And um, and I and, and, and there wasn't, you know, there was no there was no negotiation, nothing. I just was just went, yeah, yeah, that sounds good to me. Yeah, that's all good. But but Miami Mike had promised me like an ex-gratia payment to leave the club because. I'd cost 100 and, 112 with the VAT, and obviously it was, it was 900 plus the VAT. So it was like, he'd made his profit nine times over, and he promised me, you know what, he didn't pay me. He didn't pay me. And I, and I didn't make a massive issue it, of it at the time, but I just thought, you know what, I just, I just found it really kind of mealy-mouthed. But, yeah. Hey, it, was, it, and and it it was. It
2: can tarnish so it, it, well, it a can memory, can't it, slightly? Yeah, it,
3: it didn't. You know. it, it didn't. It didn't. But, um, you know, I then realised, obviously, the, I mean, the club was struggling for money a little bit, but, you know, he used to call me his son and all that kind of stuff, Miami Mike. And I kind of thought, hmm. And then when he was very, very poor, and his wife, um, I don't know if her name was June or whatever, he went to live in Jersey, I think, didn't he? Yeah. And uh, he said, well, she said, would you ring him for me? And I thought... Should I anyway? I did, I'm gonna and, I, and I'm glad that I did. And I, and I rang him, and I mean, didn't mention it, and just obviously wished him well and stuff. Although, um, we knew
1: the outcome wasn't good, okay. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, we mentioned earlier about you making your debut for your hometown club, Preston fantastic, yeah, you know, getting getting a career in football, signing for Brighton, and, and managing to get promoted to the top flight obviously must have been great, great fun. And I've got to ask you about that, uh, the celebrations on the. Uh, when we got promoted in a moment. But going from that, getting into the top flight and having major your, your debut for your country as well. Um, and then in terms of um, Republic of Ireland, by the way, I'll have to ask you about that in a minute as well. But, um, but, but going to Liverpool, you know, it, it's the perfect scenario, isn't it? You play for your hometown club, you work your way into the top flight, you have some good times down in Brighton, you, you play for your country, and then you sign for the club that's already very successful and goes on to be one of the most successful teams in European club football. Um, not bad, is it? <laughs> no,
3: acceptable. Um, it was, but it was, I mean, it, it was amazing. Um, but the whole thing was amazing. It, you know, you've seen the cop full and all those kind of things. And, it, and that is like, like—it's as a player, it's, it, it's very, very special. Um, there is no doubt that, certainly in my day at times, it, it was like we played with 12 players because the way the cop were and everything, excuse me, Mm. but just the way the football club was run, just, um, you know, Bob Paisley, Joe Fagan, Ronnie Moran, and they were the three wise men, um, Mm. never missed a thing. Uh, They were just all the time. They were were great with you. Um, Bob couldn't finish a sentence. We used to call him the master of the unfinished sentence and stuff. He had his, like, own language, but they were... In terms of football, they were they were shrewd. They were very very shrewd, and you've you've heard all the stories about the boot room. But what they did in the boot room, they would so we'd play somebody right, and generally we won most of our games. Obviously, so and what happened then? The, the opposing manager would get invited into the boot room with his coaching staff, and you know Joe, Ronnie, and and, and uh, Bob would like try and get them pissed. In there before they got on the bus on the bus to go home, and they'd be questioning them about everything, training, about players, and the whole thing was like half an hour of like intent, sort of questioning them. They wanted to know if they were doing something different, maybe that Liverpool weren't, but they were always, always working. But they kill them with kindness. Have another little whiskey, Joe. Have another little whiskey. It's a long way home, you know. And then they batter them with, with kind of questions. And I do remember uh, one time that. Um, I've met Elton John probably four or five times over different different things, but the first time when he was owning the owner at Watford, and he came to uh, came to Liverpool, and Watford were actually going really really well under Graham Taylor, another um, one, God rest his soul, and um, and literally they carried Elton John out of the boot room because they got him so pissed. And he loved it. You know what I mean. It's just what a great story, and he he absolutely loved it. And he kept saying every time I saw him, he went, "Bloody hell, those three fellas in the boot room. What are they like? Those bloody managers." He said, "Bloody hell, they're con artists." He said, "They got me pissed." And you know, so hey, st- stuff like that was fun. But anyway, but th- what I was going to say to you is, when I when I went to take my medical, um, it was it was late at night on a Friday night, and we had. Two doctors, two brothers, two Irish guys, um, and one of them would suck the poison out of your blood, and the other one would wet himself if he had, if you had to stitch you. And of course, you, you get cuts all the time, and especially when we played at home. And if you got a cut, you're thinking, you know, "I'm going to have to have a few stitches." You used to look into the into the director's box and think, "Oh shit, it's the one who hates stitching us like, it's like the absolute nightmare." Anyway, so so that night. Um, this guy took me into the, uh, I can't remember the surnames anymore, but this guy took me into the treatment room for my fitness thing and, you know, my medical kind of stuff and everything. And he was moving all my joints and all that. And it was really late at night and we'd driven from Heathrow. Bob Paisley was with us in the car and, and there'd been a massive smash on the m um, one and everything. And it was like a seven-hour journey and it's 11 o'clock at night and Bob obviously wanted to get home to bed. And I, he came in and he said, He said, Doc, Doc, what are you doing? He said, Bob, you you paid an awful lot of money for this young man, he said. We need to make sure that he's absolutely right. And Bob just turned to me and he said, "Uh, how many games did you play for Brighton last year? I said, I think I missed two. And he just went to the doc, Doc, he's fine. Leave him alone. And they then said to me, all right, we'll take you to the hotel, come back the next day and you can look round the ground because it was pitch black when I got there. First person I saw when I got back was Graeme Sooness. And he'd been beaten up in a nightclub, and he had the biggest black eye ever. And he said, "Oh, welcome to Anfield." And I went, "Really?" And he went, "Yeah, yeah." He says, "He said I managed to do two of them, but the third one jumped on me." I'm like, "What? What a football club this is! Mad."
1: That's something else. Yeah. Mm. Um. The aforementioned Dan actually had another question. He 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 said, "Who in the Liverpool and Brighton sides could drink the most, and what was the culture differences between the two clubs? Was there anything about that?" He, no. he reckons himself. Grealish and Foster for us and yeah. Molby and Dogleash for them.
3: No, 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 no. No. Well he's got he's got the he's got the Brighton boys absolutely spawned Foz and Foz uh, <laughs> and, and 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 Packy Grealish as we used to know him, because I played with him for Ireland. But Kenny didn't drink. Ken oh. it's only since Kenny stopped playing oh. that he's drunk, that he, sorry that he's drunk, that he drinks. <laughs> and now when we go out together, because we all live really, really close to each other, um, he's the last one out. But he used to be the first one out and, and not drinking. Mulby Jan Jan wasn't a big drinker. Jan was just Jan. He used to say, "I've got big bones," and we go, "That means you're a fat bastard." But no, he was he was just really solidly built, and he wasn't fat when he stripped off. He wasn't, but he he wasn't a drinker. Um, I would, oh, there was well, there was a few of us. Uh, I would say Ronnie Whelan, Irish. What do you expect? He'd be up there. We had loads of Scottish lads as well. We we could all drink. We could all honestly. We could we could like win in Europe and drink in Europe. No no problem whatsoever. Yeah
1: well, yeah, Andy I've been did... on a
5: few nights out with Wardy in recent years, and uh, yeah, That's... he can still. Oh
1: yeah, Wardy. Yeah. He can put listen, it away. Fairly.
3: Wardy Wardy can put it away. He just can't pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny yeah, you should listen, say that. Well,
5: like, hey, one of the yeah, things is funny, if you, you, if you ever that. go around with him in Brighton now. even these days I think when we got promoted from League One under Gus Poyet, he came over for that last game where we won the title and we were out in Brighton and we wandered around just from the station down towards the evening star and every pub he went past everyone recognised him. he got dragged in and he he, he always like he gets his wallet out to pay and in Brighton people just even now they won't like I don't think he's ever bought a drink
3: in that city when he's come back I'll tell you something He's so tight,
1: he owes himself 40 quid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it's not just us then. We've, yeah, we're imagining it for a while. Yeah, there was actually, I don't know if it's the same night Robin's talking about, but he ended up, we were in the Duke of Boots, Duke of Welly near the station, just up, up the road there. Yeah, and, the same um,
5: night when he came in and was dancing on the table.
1: The, yeah, on he the he came, yeah, yeah, he yeah, ended yeah, up standing mark, on yeah. the bar leading all the anti-palace songs. It was great. Leading yeah. his own yeah. song
5: was what he came in starting. He walked into the pub starting his own song.
1: We used to call him Wiz. Yeah, great player, wasn't he? It's a great great player.
0: That's
1: some great players. I mean, the players you played with at Brighton, Andy Rollins, great. Fozzie you've mentioned, Nobby Horton you've mentioned as well, and and some other Sully as well. Some some really good players from my years watching. Sorry? Yeah. John Gregory was oh, Gregory. a good player. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. John Gregory. Gregory yeah, first. he was a cracking player. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so lots, of, lots of happy times. I'm conscious you've got to go shortly, Laura. Right. So just um, just to steer it on, I don't know if anyone's... Peter's got his hand up. So do you want to go ahead with a question there, Peter, at this point? Yeah,
4: I was actually going to, coming back to so the, the players you mentioned, who was the best player you played with at Brighton? And also, obviously, a lot of options in your career as well. So who was the best ever player you played alongside in your career? I
3: would... I, I'd probably go for Brian. Because he just, as I keep saying to him, you know, the, the thing of boring you, but he, he ran the team and if there was anybody, if, if you know, occasionally you playing a game and it became a kicking match, Brian, Brian would sort that out. Um, and if it was a game of football, you know, Brian would sort that out. I mean, he just used to drive that team on, really, really seriously did and he must have been horrible to referee because he never, ever, ever stopped moaning at them. And But then at the end of the day, like it was, it was cute because he'd, he'd shake hands with the ref and just said, look, it's 90 minutes, it's gone and you know. And then he'd go, and by the way, you're my favourite referee. Bollocks he was. But I mean, it worked. <laughs> um, but, but him because he got the absolute utmost out of what he had in terms of his talent. I mean, you mentioned players there before and they, and they were all top, top players. But if you had a Brian Horton now, you um, will make a massive difference
1: difference to your team and, and just, just to your football club as well. Yeah. And I, mean, I won't get into it now because of time restrictions, but I, I listened to your uh, football, the Albion, and me episode with richard newman and, and you were talking about graham Soonis being one of those kind of characters as well yeah. and in particular you were talking about dinamo bucharest game which sounded horrendous they were trying to break his legs and he'd yeah. broken the jaw of someone in the first game and you know that those sort of fixtures and those sort of games <sighs> are just the thing of the past now of course you just everyone just gets sent off doing that but uh, yeah but you, you know what you can still have the characters can't you
3: yeah but you know you know People like Brian and, and, and uh, we call him Charlie because he was always Champagne Charlie soon as, and, and Brian and Charlie now would just adjust the way they played, you know, because mm. they, they were they were that clever and and Charlie was just like a if you said Brian was a four star player you'd say Charlie was a five star player,
1: yeah. you
3: know and. Um, you know, all those polls and all those awards you used to get every single year because you used to get team of the year and then we'd have five or six players in the team of the year when everyone else voted. Nobody ever voted for Graham that played against them because he'd obviously chopped them all in two along the way. He was just an assassin. But he was... he was. His relationship with uh, with Kenny on the pitch was amazing. Amazing. And the thing with Graham is... You know, if me and Hanson were in trouble at the back, he'd just give him the ball, and he'd take hmm. he'd take it off you anyway. He was he was just absolute fab, and he was he was just a Brian, but you know, at a higher spear, basically.
1: Yeah, well, you you weren't very often in trouble, you two at the back for the fast oh. and exceptional defenders. But you know, there must have been the occasion, I suppose. Um, yeah. Andy,
3: do you know do you know something, Russell? That we found out many years ago. We both did Latin at school, me and Hanson. All oh, right. Okay. I like that. I say that to yeah. some people, and they're really impressed. Other people look at me and say, "WTF?" I just, I just think it's quite good.
1: <laughs> Is that Latin, Mark?
2: <laughs> <Mea-cumper>. <laughs> yeah. As a, just back on the players again. Really, I, um, you talked about who you played with, but who was your, um, your your hardest opponent, Your most difficult opponent?
3: Oh, um, well. As, as we all know, in those years, every team had just had a big centre forward who just tried to knock you out. So it wasn't so much, they were most difficult, they would just be, you know, your Joe Jordans uh, and um, Andy Gray and all those fellas, and and they were so cute, you kind of go for a header and you'd be in front of them knowing you're going to head it, and they'd head you, and that was, that was pretty regular. Um, so, you know, you'd be losing your teeth and all that kind of stuff, but I think, I think the most difficult opponent me and Al had was a little fella called Terry Gibson. He does a bit yeah. of Spanish football for Sky. Um, no. And he was only small. We went to Cobblinsbury. Joe Fagan was the manager. And I, I think we got done 4-0. Um, I'm not being funny when I say this. Al, Al hated playing against tiny fellas because Al's 6'2". Um, you know, and I, if anything, I would, they'd say, look, you look after him and then I'll look after the big one and all that. But the way it was this, this day, we, we had an absolute nightmare. The two of us, and we got we got beat four. Came in the dressing room, uh, the old Cobblington ground, and this is this is where uh, you know you talk about man management. Joe Fagan was the manager, <clears throat> excuse me. And we're all sat down there waiting for the bollocking, and he just he, he looked at us too, and he went, uh, "You two? and we like you know heads looking at the floor and stuff. I went, "Yes, Joe." Make me a promise. What's that, joke? That will never happen again. We went, no, Joe, it won't. We went, right, get in the, get in the shower, get in the bath, and let's go home. And, and that was the other thing. That was always a good story. That, you know you know, when you beat us in the cup?
1: Yes.
0: Yeah. One
3: of the first Sunday games, and um, who scored? Little that was a thing he scored, didn't he? Terry Connor. Yeah,
1: that's right.
3: Soonest, soonest went off after 10 minutes on it. was a glue pot of a pizza gold Goldstone. And we were, we were awful, and you beat us. Fairly and squarely. And we came in then. It was one of the first live games on a Sunday from from, from memory. And a big That's shot right, yeah. at the time. Mind you, beat us again, didn't you? But um, so we got in the dressing room and Joe's gone, right, get changed. Get the bus. So we get in the bus. And, of course, we're driving. We're going home, aren't we? The old six, seven-hour bloody trip back. And um, we got into the middle of London. And I think it was someplace called the White House Hotel right and we pull up outside the hotel and all and and the other thing was they were that angry with us they didn't they didn't let us have a beer on the way back and we're thinking christ we've got another six hours of this this is a nightmare and we thought oh somebody must need a pee on the front and we're stopping here for a pit stop joe stood up the front and he went right come on here we go so we so he went into the bar for the hotel and he bought everybody a drink and again that it was a thing and he went just please tell us you all had a bad day, and we went, "Yeah, Joe, we did." He went, "Okay, let's have another drink and let's go home," and it was brilliant. You know, just stuff like that, which people—it it was just different all the time. And 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 he was, Joe Fagan was brilliant because he didn't speak very loudly, and he'd come over to speak to you, and you had to kind of listen into him, and he he almost whispered, but he was I tell you what—he he was cute. He 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 was cute. He was like, um, I remember we went to we went to Marbella preseason. Can you imagine going to Marbella preseason? We had a few games, but we were just on the lash. Like, in a, he, and he just came up to me one morning, and all he said was, "He said, uh, you know how to enjoy yourself, don't you?" And what do you say to that? It's like, <laughs> uh, "Yes, Joe, yeah, yeah, I do." As in, you know, just
1: calm down a little bit. <laughs> uh, Robin, you you had a question, didn't you? Um, yeah, I was going
5: to I was going to drag things slightly into the the kind of the modern Albion team, and I was just going to ask if you could take one player from the current Albion squad and put them in the team that you played in. Who would you pick?
3: Ooh, good question. Uh, very very good question. <sighs>
5: I'm not I mean, sure, really. I was going to say the. Of, I mean, the comparison that I hear a lot from fans who have watched both kind of eras is that Lewis Dunk is quite a similar player to you in many respects. So I was wondering if it would be a kind of a Loro Dunk partnership at the back might
3: be quite, oh, well, might yeah. be quite good. It would have helped me because he he just he heads it and kicks it all day, doesn't he? He's quite comfortable bringing the ball oh, out. I suppose Webster ball. might
5: be the one. Webster might be the one who's probably maybe the 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 fairer comparison yeah. these days. But well,
3: anyway, Mike, I'm Mike's sure going to be a player, isn't
5: he? Yeah, he's going to be a heck of a player.
3: You know, I think he's, he's maybe he's, in that
5: midfield with Nobby Horton. <laughs> Who? Basuma. Yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, you know, I think, I like Gross. I, I, I mean, I don't see him that often. He's, he's he just sees a pass, doesn't he? And yeah. you know. I mean, every time I watch the album, I just, I just think, can't score a second goal. Yeah, that's, that's basically that's the, that's the only problem is they yeah. just can't seem to score a second goal. I went, I, I watched them at Leeds the other week. They thought they were great. And I thought they were great against Tottenham the other day, and it's just, it's just that thing. If, if you could score second goals on a regular basis, you'd be halfway up the league.
5: Yeah, top ten, I think probably. Yeah.
1: Well, on that, it's on frustrating that note, actually.
5: Imagine it watching really,
1: that every week. Well, <laughs> really frustrating. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it really is all about it. It's just that finishing touch in the box is the, is the missing ingredient. Notwithstanding that, Mark, um, how would you enjoy playing under a Potter's type management in today's game? If you were, if you were a player of the right age now to play, world-class players, perfect pitch, uh, perfect pitches all around on a grander scale, maybe, um, Notwithstanding Ellen Road, <laughs> someone, yeah. said, someone said it. Um, um, basically, Dan Dan Healy was writing in these questions. He he'd said um, he thinks you would be perfect for it, and um, I, I agree as well. I think. Um, well, would you Would you have rather played on you know in this era? Do you think? For, yeah, for the dough. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: obviously yeah. for the dough. I mean, yeah,
3: that, that goes without saying. But oh, absolutely, because you know the pitches. If you think about everything. Pitches, training, diet, um, travel, you know, it's just... I mean, if Liverpool go further south than um, Aston Villa, they fly. You know, they just kind of fly everywhere and all all those kind of things. And the diet and the training and, you know, everything about... You know, I know teams come off at half-time and somebody... The video guys made this little video... Video about what they're doing wrong and what they're doing right and all those kind of things. It 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 would be fab to play now, but you can only ever be a player of your time, couldn't you? And I think what I think what's more interesting is is would have been watching these players play on some of the pitches that we played on, and and see what they would be like. I mean, we'll, we will never ever know. And I think if you're a top player, you're a top player regardless. Um, and it's a bit like you know my my hero was Sir Tom Finney, obviously the Preston plumber and. And when you used to look at some of the old footies, if you can see it, but when he used to play with these great big heavy boots and this ball, and you think, oh my God, what, what a player he would have been nowadays. But um it's just it's good luck to the minute. I think I think it's I think it's it's great for this. You can't help when you're born, can you? It's your mother and father's fault, basically. Yeah.
1: yeah. Final questions from me. I've got a couple of final questions. If anyone else has any, and we've got time, then obviously throw them in. I know, I know we've limited the time, but any regrets from your playing days, Mark? And if so, what?
3: No, never, never. I don't, I yeah. don't do that regret thing because you just make a decision, and some some decisions are right, some decisions are wrong. Um, yeah. You know, I finished at twenty nine, which which was was kind of a blow because of my Achilles and everything. And I thought I'd probably go on for another five or six years because I was naturally slim. Wasn't a good trainer, didn't like training. But, you know, when match day came, I was, I was all up, ready for it. Mm. But um, no, not really. You know, if someone had said to me that I, when I was starting that I would make my debut and play for Preston, even if, even if it was only once, I would have taken it. And for all the Liverpool stuff, which was fab, I mean, it's like unbelievable. Um, I wouldn't have swapped it for making
1: my debut for Preston. Yeah, that's great. Um, and the other thing, um, actually, Robin's got a question as well. Do you want to go next, yeah. Robin?
5: Yeah, I was going to go. It was actually um, speaking about people moving from Preston. There was Ben Davis who signed for Liverpool the other day. Yeah. And that struck me as it's quite, a, it's a bit of a nostalgic transfer, isn't it? I think Jurgen Klopp said himself that it's a it's a deal that wouldn't have happened in a normal transfer window. But I wondered what you made of him as a player, if you've seen him much and... Whether it's a bit of a—I don't want to say a panic signing from Liverpool because obviously everyone needs knows that they need a centre half. But do you see him having much of a role for Liverpool?
3: Um, I think he's been told he's gone as cover. That's the first mm. thing. And I think I think the boy they signed from Schalke—I think his name's Quebec. something like that. I, I think yeah. he'll be in the team before Ben. Um, whether whether Ben plays many games, I'm not sure. He was it was really outstanding for Preston, but he's not got great. Pace. he's got lots of attributes left footed good in the air um, good tackler reads the game well but you know I mean the step up going from the championship to the bottom six in the Premier League is big to go to like the top four is massive but you know I'd, I've done loads of stuff about him in the last few days and all I ever said was like look if, if even just to go if he doesn't play but he trains every day, with all those players all those top players that's going to help and i said he's going to get a massive move in the summer anyway and he's going to get, he's going to get more money so but the thing i like about it cuz ben basically ben basically when he came to preston he wasn't good enough and he went everywhere he played for york on loan he played for southport on loan all these weird kind of teams and he and he's come through the whole thing so he's obviously got a fantastic attitude but I have my doubts whether he'll play many games for Liverpool.
5: It's a great transfer, though, isn't it? I mean, if you're playing in the Championship, it's I mean, just, I guess it might not happen if, if life returns to normality. Mm. But I suppose as, if you're playing in the Championship and you can see someone who isn't, uh, obviously he's not old, but, you know, he's not a youth team prospect. If you can see someone who's approaching the prime of their career, moving from the Championship to the top end of the Premier League, that must give you a bit of a, an incentive if you're playing in the Championship, I'd have thought.
3: Oh, Absolutely. I mean, he was going to Celtic because, he, you know, he'd run his contract down. So he was going to Celtic. All he hadn't done was sign the form. And thankfully, for he hadn't. And obviously, he's gone to Liverpool. And, and I know that he's he's basically, I mean, I was going to say he's, he's, he's probably earning five, four or five times more money than he earns at Preston. It's, it's a lot more than that. So good luck to him. And he's, he's a really, really nice lad. I like it when nice guys get
1: on. Yeah, that's good, that's good to hear. There's, there's been quite a few connections, is not there, Liverpool and Preston? yeah had uh, Spider-Mellor's Neil, I think, played for them, didn't he, before? Males, um, yeah, or, I, was,
0: I, did,
3: he, I did a thing with him the
1: other night, yeah. yeah. All oh, right, yeah, yeah. And, of course, Robbo. Um, we did a tribute when, sadly, Michael. Robbo passed away last year, Michael Robinson, yeah. And, of course, he had an uncanny um, mirroring of your career, didn't he? You both both um, from the same area, through some of the same... I mean, he went to City, but apart from that, a lot of the same clubs, uh, one by Russell, one. <laughs> yeah. He was stalking me. <laughs> he was
3: stalking me, honestly.
1: It was Everything getting a bit weird, wasn't it? <laughs>
3: he, every, everywhere, every, listen, everywhere I went, he followed me. I, I caught him out. We used to play cricket. We were decent cricketers, to be fair. He played for Blackpool, I played for Preston. Caught him out, but that's the first time I ever met him. But you know, a funny story about that, again, was that we were on a pre-season with, uh, with Liverpool and we are in Holland and Joe yeah. was a manager, Joe Fagan, and uh, I got a call, Joe wants to see you." And I'm thinking, crikey, what can this possibly be? And um, I thought, I'll sign a rack if I've, I've done anything wrong or whatever, it's pre-season, so we'd hardly played any games. And he said, uh, Michael Robinson. I said, yeah, yeah, I, I know him. He said, what do you think? And I said, well, I said, he's like very honest, gives his, gives his all, knocks people over that, you know, and he's difficult to play against. And I said, why? And he said, well, we signed him. I'm like, oh, bloody hell, no.
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah,
3: the cat. We used to call him the cat. You know you know what football humour is like in dressing rooms? We used to call him the cat because he was so light on his feet.
1: Not. Yeah. yeah. Ironic. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And my, my last question is um, really just, um, obviously, you, you went through a little bit with management, but you've, you've settled into a career with punditry um later on and mm. obviously done that for a number of years you do, still do quite a bit I think on the radio as well um how have you found that and, and any any stories from there um and also hundreds yeah maybe you know, Russ, up- Russ, Russ,
3: Russ, Russ not being funny we should do another podcast and I can do
1: all that for you Let's do, let's do that. Actually, let us make let's make a deal to do that sometime because I think that that deserves its own time. By the sounds oh, of it. Well, oh, because um,
3: there's just, there's, it's just loads, there's loads of brilliant stories about characters that you you will all know and never have met that are just
1: bonkers like Mox right. and everybody. It's a deal. Let's do that. Um, Peter, you, you had a question. Do you want to quickly go yeah, over that? Yeah,
4: just one of the slightly similar ones to the players I was talking about earlier. What, what was your favourite game? I, I think you can guess one of uh, or two of them for the Albion. And what was your favourite game, full stop as well, ever, that you played in?
3: Oh, my goodness me. Um, my favourite game ever was, was winning the European Cup in Rome against the Romans, obviously. because um, that. That's the ultimate for a club player. Is you can't get any higher. It's like winning the World Cup as an, an international. Um, for the Albion, I remember uh, we were going for promotion and we went to Blackburn and we absolutely mullered them. I think I and mean, we I think we only ended up winning two or three nil. We were just on a really really good run. And for some day, I had I almost played. I, I felt like it was George Best. I was just kept going past people with the ball. And everything, and maybe it was a fact because it was Blackburn, and I was impressed, and it was only nine miles away. And I'm thinking, go on, get the bastards. But um, yeah, I just remember that day where I could do absolutely nothing wrong. But you know, I mean, there's loads. I scored twice past Peter Shilton one day in a league game, um, including nutmegging him on purpose. Um, <laughs> and I and I also because the, the first year I left Brighton, 81-82, um, our very last game of the season, Tottenham at home, we had to win to win the league when we'd been 13th at Christmas. We'd had a really bad start. And I scored the first goal that day past Ray Clements. And that was the first time he'd been back. And I scored, honestly, I must have scored from about 18 yards with a header. I think he just didn't see it. Um, but and you just remember, you just kind of remember those days and stuff. But I think with Liverpool, that there are there are that many. And as you know, as I said to Russ then, I mean, I could I can give you another hour next time. Easy. It's, it's mad, really. The stories are just... I mean, and the stories get, like, funnier and funnier. Oh, brilliant.
1: OK, well, yep. we look forward to that one. Um, I, I, we... One of... Oops, I gonna... Sorry, I was gonna... Peter, go, I was go on. to ask
4: about your, your thoughts on position? Because, obviously, you've played in, mostly in central defence, but I know at Albion for a while, you were in midfield, weren't you? In the, uh, You moved forward a bit, and I and think you, you did at other places as well. Did you always want to play in preferred defence, or would you, did you like being further forward sometimes?
3: Well, I, I was a winger when I started. Um, so I played, I played loads in midfield for Liverpool. I loved it, um, and I didn't play that many times in midfield for Brighton. I probably only played when uh, when uh, Nobby got injured. Um, but else, there's another one. Remember, remember the day we went to Forest and won, and we beat yeah. there You know, been unbeaten at home for fifty yards, whatever. And, and um Jerry
2: Ryan, wonderful. Jerry
3: scored. Jerry scored. I I think from a pass from me, well, I think it hit me on the leg and went towards him. And I just remember playing that day. We played, I'd been out for ages. I'd ripped my ankle ligaments and mothers were saying, come on, got to get back, got to get back. We played a friendly at Brentford on the Wednesday and uh, played for 45 minutes and I couldn't run. i have been out for months and i have been training, but actually playing in a game. He says, I'm going to play on Saturday. And I went, right, okay." And I thought, well, I'll play at the back and I might be able to cruise a little bit. Then he named the team, and I thought, SH1T, he, he played mid-midfield, and it was a, it was a mud patch, uh, Foresty ground. Mm. Um, but that was the day when we won, and it's just, it's, stuff, it's just stuff like that where you think, how the hell did we ever win it? Mm. It's, it's just mad, but it's, it's just a, that was just a really, really good memory because I think we'd probably be first on match of the day that night.
1: Yeah. That's, that's, that wasn't often. We should probably just touch on one, one final thing, actually, and it kind of ties in with something I think, Andy, you were going to ask um, from what you mentioned to me beforehand, um, to do with um, Albion tips. I When, when we asked people, friends, a circle of friends about... Um, questions for Lauro you'll be surprised or maybe not surprised how many people ask me the same question to ask you they why hate do you practice. keep us to losing keep tipping us to lose because <laughs> um, I think someone someone worked out we would have had about 16 points one season based on your predictions <laughs>
3: uh, probably not probably not that low but it would have been low but listen it was because you were struggling yeah and, I mean loads of people take this really really seriously and they look at the league tables and look at how many games they played in that they're good at home and I just guess, um, and I just think <laughs> that that's, It's to, impossible, people project, ever say, isn't it? Yeah, if people ever say to me, "Why did you do it?" I said, "Well, I'm only guessing." Yeah, but you know, it, I still I still love the place. It was it was fabulous for me. It was, it was absolutely... And when we went back the end of last, the season before last, when we had that reunion, it was brilliant. It was just like being back in the dressing room. Nearly all the boys were there. It was like fabulous.
2: Yeah. Um. Yes. I said Andy. Yeah. Sorry, but it's just on that mark, really. So, yeah, it's, I mean, Russell kind of touched on it. You, you kind of acknowledge it, I think. Is that yeah, there are, there are a lot of fans who think that you either talk about Preston or Liverpool and they almost forget about us. And I, uh, I think that's really unfair because actually, as far as I can see and when I've ever heard you, you've always talked very strongly about Brighton like you have today. Um, but also it's it's kind of inevitable in a way, because at one end you've got your as you said, you've got your childhood team and your dad played for them. And they're like bookends, yeah. aren't they? And the other end, you've got the best team in Europe. So I think it's kind of, you know, I, I just think really um it's just inevitable when you're talking about your football career that they take up most
3: of the conversation. Well, but I think I think that day when we came back, when all the boys came back, we were interviewed on the on the pitch at half time, and I just said I I loved playing for Brighton. I said I loved it more than playing for Liverpool because playing for Liverpool was almost like the business end where you had to win. But Mm. playing for playing for Brighton was the best fun I'd ever had. It was fabulous. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I I agree. I think it's it's harsh for anyone to criticize. And it's clear from having listened to previous conversations you've had on podcasts and on this podcast and from other stuff I've heard that you obviously do have a lot of affection for the club as well and play yeah. to and you've, you've been down to the Amex and you've as you said you've been in um, some stuff behind the scenes having you some events and so on and reunions so you know clearly, can clearly can that's still one, the case.
2: Can I just say one more thing
1: so,
0: yeah, so Mark,
2: yeah. I mean in terms of being a footballer a professional footballer you're just doing your job you know you're just playing the game doing your job but so for me I'm on the terraces on the on 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 the East Terrace and I still have even now as a 53 year old nearly 54 year old man memories in my head of you in the blue and white stripes picking the ball up in the in the centre back position and running forward and taking the ball towards their their goal and I think that's what you've done for for me and for many around my age you gave us some beautiful memories of watching you play football for us and for that I'll always be thankful
3: I loved it I absolutely loved it no shin pads socks around my ankles um it's so, I can't remember somebody describing this somebody what, once I can't I can't remember what it was I remember for next time and I just I just laughed my socks off um that, was, that, that it was the kind it, it was it was it was the same kind of thing you know with man yeah yeah yeah
2: well, thank yeah. you for those okay.
1: memories yeah it, it's been brilliant we we're, we're speaking on the day that um, most people will catch this after um, the game but we're actually playing Liverpool tonight it's just no. fortuitous <laughs> circumstance we didn't uh, we we didn't um, actually plan it that way but um, we, we're playing Liverpool um, quick word thoughts on the game for that one fancy, um, fancy our chances
0: but, well this
3: is good time good time to play them most definitely but the, pro- the problem is when you play Liverpool nowadays and they've got the swagger back I think they, yeah. they don't they, they lend you the ball for 10 minutes and that's it
1: so you need to score <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah, well, we hopefully so. <laughs> yeah. Russell, I'll have do.
3: to go because I've, I've got to get my daughter before I do this next thing. So,
1: yes, okay, indeed. Well, thank, thank you very so much for joining green. us, Mark. It's been a pleasure. pleasure.
3: That, we'll do it. For Let us. me know. We'll do it again.
1: Thanks, Mark. okay right, let's thank do that. You. Brilliant. Cheers. All right. best Bye. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Cheers. Thanks. So there we go. So Mark Lawrence, and that was great to have him join us. And um, we wonder. I mean, guys amongst ourselves, I, I think that um, Webster is the man who's looking most like um, most like Loro actually in terms of that driving forward stuff. Um, I don't know if you'd agree on that. I know Robin's trying to say something, but he's muted himself. I don't know if that's a work thing or not.
5: No, um, I, was, I was just being an idiot. <laughs> um, as per,
1: um, <laughs> I
5: thought it was his 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 comments about Dunk being more of a kind of head it and kick it defender, I thought was, it's obviously is, but I think there is, Mm. we've seen there's a lot more to his game than that. Um, And I think maybe it's been trumped by the fact that Webster and White have both come in and and arguably do that role slightly better than Dunky does, but certainly he does have that in his locker. Um, yeah. So I thought it was interesting to hear um,
0: carry it forward bit but... more
5: when
4: Duffy was the, alongside him because Duffy was definitely the one who stayed back, whereas now yeah the head it and the kick one it one who kinda of right, but... back and the other two can venture forward a bit more and kind of but I mean I suppose the thing is the way of looking at it is
5: if he if he was just the head it and kick it centre half I arguably the club might have tried to encourage him to take one of the the big money moves that might have been on offer for him obviously he fits hmm. in he fits in perfectly to how Potter wants to play, I guess. So,
1: yeah. Well, hopefully, with our defence, we're not going to replicate what Southampton did yesterday. Uh, for anyone that uh, that doesn't know, <laughs> Man United beat them by the minor score of nine nil. So Saints are doing an annual event of losing nine nil. Start that, that by not being a
4: player sent off after two minutes, ideally. Yeah, true, true. That wouldn't yeah, help. For, wouldn't awful have tackle as well, wasn't it? I haven't seen it, but it sounds like one of those. If no one protests, literally no one protests.
5: Yeah, no, it was it was a red. And I think it was his first start, wasn't it?
4: Yeah. Yeah, and only his yeah. second appearance, I think, as well. And yeah, I mean, I'd like to do 82 seconds
5: up. of work and get paid more for that week than all of us earn in yeah. a year. is
4: I read somewhere <laughs> that he's been complaining about lack of first-team opportunities recently and wanted to, talked about possibly getting a move in January. So he's not done himself any favors there. Really. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, it was, if you're being
5: kind about it, it's the kind of tackle that you can see being made by someone who's making their first start and is trying to make an impression. So just that's, that I imagine he attention. was thought, okay, here's an opportunity to sort of stamp my authority on the game. But all he did was to stamp his literal foot on someone else's <laughs> ankle by the looks of <laughs> it. So
0: yeah,
5: I can yeah. see, you know, like you're trying to make an impression and, you know, justify your selection, but it just went.
1: He's got to fit, I mean, you, you feel bad getting sent off that early and, and the team inevitably losing is, is going to make you feel bad or not. Yeah. When it then ends up manifesting itself as a yeah. 9-0, you know, oh, I can only imagine what he's yeah, feeling yeah, right yeah. now. Yeah, I
5: mean, on, on red cards, the David Luiz one was really harsh. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah. Whoever yeah, the attacker was basically just tripped over himself and David yeah. Luiz happened to be right there. What, I mean, why is that not referred? Why is that not looked at by VAR?
4: he wasn't the only I it was. no it's very weird apparently because I thought it was had to be on purpose as well even if it was to be a red yeah. customer, it had to be on purpose even if he did touch it which it sounds yeah, like yeah it's just it looked hard. like there was no I couldn't see
5: any contact at all not even accidentally they had different
2: I thought it was checked on VAR, but I think they had a different view that the only way it could have been a yellow is if he'd actually made a tackle an attempt at a tackle
5: and because he so they just judged it to be him. Well, he
2: clipped him, didn't he? I mean, he, just, he kind of just, I don't even know if he actually clipped him, but it looks him far.
5: Yeah, far, like that was what him. they thought would He hasn't
2: tried to make a tackle. And that's really but what he was. He would have, he to he would have done to, it be to like flow yeah. himself in there and try and get the ball. Yeah. he was too far away from it. Yeah. It looked to me like
5: he was just, it slu- was just sort of a step behind, a couple of steps behind the defender, clearly not going to get there. But and it was- didn't even really look like a tangle of legs. And i to have to look at it again. I might be. I, I was being overly generous
4: I mean, like, to you know, Louise, but... I was going to see got, I think, minus seven on, on fantasy football yesterday because he got an own goal and a red card and obviously conceded <laughs> a lot of goals. I, I've never, I'm not sure I've ever seen a player get worse than minus seven on a week for Excellent. fantasy football.
1: That's quite no. impressive. I mean, yeah. when I, from, watching that,
2: from watching it, though, what, what, I, what I thought I saw, and it, you're never quite known to you, players I think he gets sucked into the midfield, doesn't get it, and then he's trying to get back, and that's why he's behind the player. So you made a poor judgment in the first place. Mm.
4: Hasn't we all know David Luiz is not the most reliable defender in the world, don't we? Not in that way. No, no. I wasn't even yeah. sure what
2: the goalkeeper was trying to do either. You know?
4: No.
2: I mean, yeah. head it. Do something with it. Block it with your body. You know? You've got to get yourself sent off otherwise, and which is what he did.
4: It's slightly annoying. Walls yeah, the going to go down, it was nice that they were around us. They were, they were obviously getting a bit hammered by Arsenal yesterday. I mean, they were had two, they hit the woodwork twice, had the goal allowed, scored. Yeah. yeah, I mean,
5: Wolves, as much as yeah. they've been
4: kind of in free fall relatively yeah.
5: I, I couldn't it's see them being in the couldn't see them being in the conversation properly no, I palace think. i think if sahar is injured for any period of time uh, obviously yeah. he went off with his he's done his hamstring by the looks of it but he yeah. obviously as we discussed on the whatsapp group he will make a miraculous return
4: and even if he, the... they've got 29 points now which is more it's more than double fulham so yeah uh, like there would have if to be a real gonna collapse gonna be... um They'd have to almost get nothing for us the Yeah, was... I mean,
1: the, the gap between them and Fulham is, is sizably bigger than the one between us and Sheffield United. I yeah. think it was before the games yesterday it, yeah. when yeah. Sheffield United beat West Brom. So. I, mean, just, so, yeah. I think
5: Fulham had to really try and do something more in the window in terms of getting a striker in. Um,
2: yeah. I'm not convinced. It's good, I mean,
5: Josh Madger was a good player for Sunderland in the League One and he's done bits and pieces for Bordeaux. But mm. I may prove to be horribly wrong, as I normally am, but yeah. I can't see him necessarily being the one to...
1: Yeah, there's no time to, to keep for them for to settle
2: in either, not, is there? I think most of those teams in the in that middle of the division, like they just they they just every now and then they get a win, don't they? And that just keeps yeah. them now, just keeps them away from mm. from trouble. We've we're just about beginning to do that, Um, you know by keeping clean sheets, not by scoring more goals. And you kind of wonder where Sheffield United are going because actually they've. What was it? Is th- that three and four or something? Three wins in
4: yeah. four? I, I think points, i still think it? if they were a fan of them, it's so far back, isn't it? You know? Yeah,
5: I mean, they're kind of, what are they, yeah. 10 or 11 points back yeah. from yeah. us, aren't they, I think? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, they're I still, guess that
1: they, They're still behind I mean, West they, Brom, and West Brom fans are giving up already. Yeah. I mean, I guess,
2: I mean, it's, I guess from that point, the part of that was the, the fact that they've had that run, and, and in that time, we've had two wins in a draw as well, so we've just been able to keep them at arms then. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I here. would be,
5: I'm normally very pessimistic, Unsurprisingly, because <laughs> just not really the way the world goes. Um, but I would be very surprised if the bottom three now weren't the bottom three at the end of the season.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. The, the, the one caveat to that, possibly, is the fact Palace did win. They've kept Newcastle at the. Uh, yeah, the Newcastle potentially, but they played well.
5: Newcastle played really well, considering they were mm. quite unlucky. Um, yeah. Bruce seems to have got the tactics a little bit better. I mean, they had a really. I, was it, I think it was Ryan Fraser had a one-on-one when they were, I think it was either a 1-1 or 2-1 down, which he really should have scored. Um, mm. But as Josh referenced on our WhatsApp group the other day, they are really, if Callum Wilson gets injured, they are in big trouble because he yeah. has scored or assisted. I mean, he got the yeah. assist for the goal yesterday, didn't he? I mean, he scored or assisted like 75% of their goals.
4: You don't think Joe yeah, Linton I'd... will make up for it then?
5: No, I don't think Joel Linton
1: probably will. Well. Yeah, he's I a
5: ludicrous was, he's yeah. a ludicrous animal making a debut? Yeah,
1: well, there's, a, there's a dog who's making a cameo right at the end of the pod here. This is great. What <laughs> a, what Penny, a fine...
5: everyone. Who's a Penny, oh
1: lovely, yeah,
5: a pedigree Chihuahua.
1: Got her own portrait
5: in right the back behind you. She? she has got her. Yeah. There she is. She's yeah. debuting next to her portrait. There you go. Um. <laughs> She looks rather the only other thing that I thought was, was interesting is that I was reading about Burnley's takeover today, which mm, is not yeah. all it cracks up to be, which is that they've done what the Glazers did at Man United, which is they've yeah. bought the club, well, and Sunderland did, um, they've bought the club with the club's own money, um, yeah. so the club, actually, out, is it?
1: Yeah, the, the club are
5: actually, yeah, oh. the club are actually financially worse off than they were before the takeover went they've through. They've not
4: spent anything in January, so I mean, the, yeah. you know, a couple of, they showed earlier in the season, if they lose one or two of their defence, say Pope or me or something like that, they've. They're a bit vulnerable at back, which
5: yeah, really- and they're they're not that far above the bottom yeah. three, are they? Either so they could, in theory. So. And
1: much as I'm, much as I'm, yeah, malign Burnley. I'm not a fan of their fans. I don't like the way they play football, particularly. Although I admire Shaun um successes. Um, one thing I will say to them: it is a shame that a well-run club um, then gets undermined potentially by yeah. being taken over. It's it's the club that doesn't need to be taken over. In one sense, they are probably overachieving by being in the prem for so long on the other so, hand
4: uh, fans have, have long complained about lack of investment and that sort of thing i mean dale stevens was their big and big signing in the summer wasn't
1: he yeah true yeah well um robin's got to leave us and in fact that pretty much rounds it up for this episode i'm um, just quickly going back to the lauro interview side of things i think that was great wasn't it to have him on he was uh he was an yeah, excellent yeah. guest sounds like we're going to get him back on and um there's a lot more to hear right. <laughs> maybe Ob- this should be an x-rated one
2: i hope i wasn't too gushing
1: I was aware I was, no, no, it was a little bit.
2: I don't tend to do that. But um, him and Nobby Horton, is kind of like, you know, for me, it's kind of, they're just my schoolboy Brighton heroes, really. So, if, I mean, to actually, if, you, if you'd asked me back in the summer when you first asked me on and I was on holiday, if you'd said, oh, by, you know, within about six months, you'd have been on and you'd have spoken to these two these two players, I would have, um, I would have thought you were talking mad.
1: That's so would mad. I, if I, if I'd have said it's it. Well, you know, I just loved it. Absolutely loved it. Oh great! I'm glad you yeah. enjoyed that. It was yeah, it was cool. good value, definitely. And uh, I I think think um, be back on soon. Yeah, well, totally yeah. Because in some ways, the, the second bit might be more interesting than the first bit because it's people, you <laughs> yeah, know.
2: Like, I think so. come on, tell us all about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it could be all sorts of scoops there, couldn't it? Well, the <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that rounds it up for this episode, then. Thanks for listening, everybody. As usual, we're sponsored by Seagulls Over London. Check them out on www.seagullsoverlondon.com if you want to find out more. If you want to contact this show to ask questions of guests, um, whether or not it's to do with punditry predictions, um, you can do so on on Twitter at BrightonRockPod or emailing BrightonRockPodcast at gmail.com. Peter, Andy, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining me for this episode. Um, we are going to have, hopefully, subject to his Wi-Fi, another special guest on who we tried to get on before. Details on that to follow um, for our next episode. We're speaking before the Liverpool game. If you haven't yet seen that game, if it hasn't yet happened, fingers crossed to us all and up the Albion uh, for that one. If it is already over by the time you're listening to this, can't believe we won again at Anfield. (laughs) (laughs) Way. Now, on that note, um, I will bid you farewell, as will the others in the usual way. So... Guys, stand or fall.
4: Up the Albion.
2: Up the Albion.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network. 18 plus.